Hello, girlies. Welcome back to episode 18. I'm live with Emma. It's March 8th, and you know what that means. International Women's Day to all of our girl bosses on the meme page. Hope you are, you know, telling a man, your local man to fuck off today. (laughs) It's what they deserve. And Emma and I are here to pod about a subject close to home. We got a lot of DMs from you girlies because... We want to be there as like bigger sisters or maybe just friends or besties and talk about eating disorders. Yeah, so like Kate said, trigger warning, a lot of the conversation today is going to be centered around all forms of eating disorders such as anorexia, binge, and purge. So if you feel uncomfortable listening to these or if they might trigger you or if you're still in recovery, click out of this episode, play a different episode. Yeah, go back um, and listen but, to something else. Yeah, but we just figured this would be like a good, it's good to have a heart to heart. You know, Kate and I have experienced eating disorders before. We know a lot of people that have, and it can be lonely. And I think it's just like important to help everyone out because no one deserves to experience an eating disorder. Yeah, and I think Emma's and my relationship to wellness is obviously related to our eating disorder. Like, you want to become a better person. You want to become, like, a wellness god. Okay, what does that mean if, like, your past has been burdened by an eating disorder? And for me, I think for a while I never felt there was a way out of that. I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to be stuck and hating my life forever. I never can enjoy food. I never can, you know, enjoy how I work out and have a good relationship with my body. So giving you some steps and advice that have worked for Emma and also like we're still you know working through it it's something that lives with you forever yeah I was gonna say yeah I don't feel like you ever fully recovered there's still things that I deal with to this day but yeah I do believe that there is a way that you can still be involved and interested in wellness without it being triggering and actually have it be a really healthy and positive thing in your life also Emma's skin is glowing today I was just like looking at Emma's like cheek international women's day (laughs) thank you um I don't know what oh rosehip oil love maybe that's some natural remedies um also shout out to a listener if you are listening today we wish Abby Abby oh my god I can't read Abby a happy birthday um we got a dm from one of your friends and we're just really looking forward to you know your health journey being an adaptogen god like us hope the birthday goes well yes definitely celebrate by taking some chaga shots yeah eat some sun scoop reishi ice cream that's a good one i was doing that last week hell yeah but without further ado, um, you girlies know the drill. You're going to listen to some fun little ad reads, and then we will get into these DMs that you guys sent us. We're really grateful that you guys opened up, and everything will be anonymous, obviously, with all of these inquiries, because it is very personal to open up about eating disorder and eating issues. So without further ado, welcome to episode 18. Okay, we're back, and we're here to read your DMs and give you some advice. So the first one we got says, how can I approach my family about not having my period? I'm 16 years old and I obviously live at home. I feel recovered from my disordered eating eating habits, but I have never discussed them with my parents and I don't think they've ever noticed. I've had my period for six months. I haven't had my period for six months, even though I eat a balanced intuitive diet and an unrestrictive now. I feel like I should see a doctor, but I don't know how to talk to my family about it. Any advice? I, this was like a direct parallel to my eating disorder experience. I like was suffering in silence for a long time. No one in my family noticed my eating habits. Like anything with eating disorders, it's very easy to hide the way that you like treat food. Like if your parents just expect you to cook lunch one day, they don't actually know like how many calories you're eating or what your meals are quantified of. If you go to school and pack a lunch, they don't know what you packed in your lunch. So it is really easy. I think during this high school phase to like develop an eating disorder because you're technically being guarded by your parents, but there's a lot of room for you being like secretive. I lost my period for a pretty good chunk of my adolescence. I originally got it when I was 13 and I was playing competitive volleyball, I played into college, and I was so active that it was very um, inconsistent. I would get it for a day. I never got like any period symptoms that it was coming. It was very irregular. So that was kind of like a trigger point for me that I was like, I need to like talk to my family about this. Like I also had a lot of doctors brush, brush me off saying, it's okay if you don't get your period. You're just an active girl. Like a lot of swimmers and gymnasts and runners are told that. And so that's what I got from my MD at the time. But for me, I hit a breaking point, like my kind of eating sort of stories, like one day I was like searching in the pantry and going back to the refrigerator, having this like manic moment in my um, home uh, kitchen when I was 
17 and I was just like mom like I have a really bad relationship with food and I don't think any of you guys notice it so it's gonna be very personal but I think definitely like if you're not getting your period that's a a huge sign that there's still something off with your hormones yeah I for me how I kind of spoke about not having my period um I developed my eating disorder when I was a freshman in high school and I lost like a severe amount of weight and in a few months I was a competitive swimmer so I was just over exercising and not fueling my body and my parents kind of noticed something was up and so my mom took me to the doctor and we got like blood tests and everything and then we ended up going to an OBGYN and she tried to help me get my period back and it was like really scary because she was like you know if your daughter doesn't get her period naturally in the next three months you might have to give her some sort of medication or like hormones and my mom was kind of against that and I didn't know how I felt about that either and so my mom and I just kind of worked with each other to help get it back and it really was just through restoring and getting myself back to a healthy weight um so I mean I know it's like definitely like a hard thing to talk about but it's just one of those things that you know your parents want what's best for you and definitely just talk to your mom or if you don't have like a great relationship with your mom just like someone that you know who's like an adult who will take care of you and make sure that you're okay and like make you feel comfortable but if you've had also I think any like coaches for sports teachers Mm -hmm. like any counselors at high school that can also be a great outlet older sisters neighbors friends I mean those are not going to be like your primary people but if that's like the first opening up I think that's really smart to have and I think with we'll get more into like intuitive eating because that's brought up in other questions but I think it's really difficult to like feel comfortable in it intuitive eating unless you're getting your period back so I would say like I'm I think even though like the eating disorder habits are recovered without having your period your body's like signaling that it's not physically recovered so I would definitely take that into consideration yes okay next one hi girlies love the immaculate energy of your pod helps me get through the week feeling like a wellness queen I love to hear about some advice that you can give on how to get back to having a proper amount of deals meals a day I personally now am in recovery for bulimia and I might say that I'm never I'm doing great and that my body image is significantly better however I still have the leftover dietary thinking that makes me feel guilty for eating three proper meals love to hear your thoughts on that love you oh we love a wellness queen I have struggled with this too I think comparison is really difficult um being like in certain schedules where you have to eat a certain amount like for me if I remember last year when I was working it was like I had really weird hours and I had to eat like if like like three and a half ish meals a day because I didn't really have proper times like I wouldn't get a lunch break until two and that's kind of like fucked up my hunger cues a little bit but I think one thing that's helped me is like when I went, whenever I've gone home for um, winter or holiday breaks is eating around my family and just seeing how intuitive other people eat that don't have eating disorder experiences. So like social eating is definitely like still a difficult part for me. And I think it's a really scary part for people in the recovery process, but that can be something that makes you feel better. Like looking at other people eating three proper meals and normalizing that. Yeah, um, I agree. And I think also, you know, it just gets easier over time and developing just a really good habit of you know timing your out your meals so making sure that you have breakfast and you know they typically recommend not to go more than five hours without without food and so I think it's just like holding yourself accountable and like Kate said I think you know when you have other people around you who are eating like more consistent meals and just like you know following them um, it can be like helpful and inspiring just to see how they are able to manage and deal with it and like it doesn't really phase them. And I think if it's really overwhelming to think like, oh my gosh, I have to eat like a huge burger for lunch. No, just you can eat snacks. Like I think that's a really good way to get back into meals. Like you can have calorie dense snacks and like a little snack plate for your lunch and then another snack if you're hungry later. Yeah. The next one, I do not have an eating disorder that I know of, but I have an extremely unhealthy relationship with food. I'm in constant fear of eating and what I put into my body. It really stems from my mom constantly controlling what I eat and when I work out. She shames me for eating anything, basically forces me to eat a low-carb, low-fat, low-sugar diet. I'm at an average weight for my age and height, yet I don't feel, or yet I feel she's constantly unhappy that I can't fit into my jeans anymore. I don't know what to do anymore. I journal a lot, and I want to go to a therapist, nutritionist once I leave for college, just to prove her that diet and obsession with working out is unhealthy, and she shouldn't be forcing this on me. First of all, really sorry for your experience with this. Um, I know it's really difficult, I think, to see a light out if you're in like a really toxic family environment and you're not living on your own. 
for me, I've said this to my mom that definitely I think some of the disordered eating habits that I picked up on were from her. So I think that's a very common relationship to have with a parent sometimes. Like that's how we grow up and like learn how to eat. And so I think all of us, even if people who do not have eating disorders definitely have weird food rules, like, oh, I'm not eating this because this is bad. Or, oh, I always eat this after this, or you shouldn't do that. Like we, we ingrains or we learn so much from diet culture that I think this could be a good outlet for you to um, talk to a friend about it. I don't like, I don't know really your situation in terms of like support groups that are available to you. If you have anyone at school to talk to, because it's really hostile. Yeah. When it, it's like creating something that once again, like you don't have any like autonomy over, like it's constantly in your face. Um, And I don't know like how comfortable you feel like talking to your mom directly about it, but I think definitely like it's really good that you're journaling and um I really hope like yeah you'll be able to get help with like a therapist nutritionist too yeah, in the and future. I, yeah and I to go along with that I mean I definitely feel like I developed some habits for my dad but I mean it's good that you are aware that like this is like not healthy and like toxic for you and I mean I don't know when you're going to be going off to college but at least you have a plan for to kind of get out of the situation which is really good um but yeah hopefully everything gets better on your end um I'm sorry yeah definitely the next one for me i'm especially having really having a time to or sorry i'm having a lot of time to spiral last year finding it hard to transition into being more comfortable telling people about my eating disorder and what i've experienced i feel i've really isolated myself from people i love which makes me sad how do you feel more comfortable talking about these things i totally agree i think there was a huge like part of my life when i just didn't talk to anyone about it or i talked to very few people and noticing how many people have experienced family members or friends with eating disorders like it's not that abnormal um but also like I think building friendships that are not just like based in eating disorder with someone who doesn't have one like obviously Emma and I talk about it because like we've both had the same experience but I've been in like a lot of volleyball situations where I'm like damn like this whole like food stuff sucks and I wonder if anyone feels the same um for me just yeah it's like it's still like kind of a I have to check in with like who I want to talk about it and who I don't because I think some people kind of inflame the problem and can make it worse yeah um I think along to go along with that I really had like a terrible support group when I was when I experienced my eating disorder and so I had no one to talk to and I was very lonely and isolated and so it can be you know the thoughts just kind of bubble up in your mind and you don't really feel like you have anyone to talk to and I think what's been helpful for me especially is having a friend like Kate is that since Kate has also experienced eating disorder it's easy to talk about it because I feel like people who've never experienced it don't fully understand what and it's like. And you sound like. crazy. Like Emma yeah. and I can say something that's really flippant about like calories or some shit we saw on Instagram and it's like okay I automatically get it. Yeah. yeah. And so I think you know it can also be possibly toxic to be in a friend have a friendship where the other person is also going through an eating disorder because you can be maybe trigger each other. Yeah, trigger each other. <laughs> so being just like aware of that but I you know finding someone who understands eating disorders whether it's you know therapist or it's like a close friend that you can talk about your you know what you're experiencing but it's definitely it takes a long time to open up and it took me like multiple years to admit to my parents that I had a problem and that I wanted to get serious help yeah exactly and I think it's like choosing your battles like we've been saying like I don't think you want to obviously make every one of your friendships based in your eating disorder because that becomes like an identity for you that you're the girl with the eating disorder so I think pick with who you open up to Mm -hmm. next one is a little bit longer so i'll read it quickly hey kate and emma fellow cmos girly all the way over from london love your podcast think you guys are the shit oh thank you Mm -hmm. saw the opportunity to message you about eating disorder stuff so i thought i'd vent to you about a personal trainer experience i had i've always struggled with a warped idea from food since i was young i've been undiagnosed but i've always been underweight weigh every morsel of food obsess over rice cakes you guys know the drift anyways i got a personal trainer a while ago to get me stronger and fitter, help with food insecurities. I did not know what I was in for. She just she decided that though I was very underweight, I had a layer of fat that needed to be blitz and set me on a, a 1,200 calorie a day, brutal exercise routine. As the weeks progressed, my fat loss... He was not happy with my fat loss and shifted my calories down to 700 calories a day. So you can imagine, though I lost weight, I had no energy to train, became a zombie... I stayed because the tiny eating disorder voice was like, hey, this isn't as bad as it used to be. It was not at all great. When I finally parted ways with him for my own sanity and health, he called me a quitter. And then she says something in kilos, which I don't know the translation. Um, anyways, I guess the point, it's terrifying to call that there's so many health professionals that are probably doing this to everybody's girls everywhere who didn't have the strength. It's scary F and I don't know who to trust. Um, really sorry for your experience. I've been in a lot of situations where I think... Um, 
like I've trained in experiences where there's both guys and girls and the way that guys talk about food and calories and like gaining weight and like cutting calories and bulking and trimming has been really toxic. Um, so I think finding space, like you said, like getting out of that is really helpful. But I also agree, like there's a lot of like health quote, like health professionals, even people on Instagram that are like, quote, like trainers or holistic nutritionists that are like, I fast until 2 p.m. every single day. Like get the fuck off Instagram. Like that's you're not, I don't know why that, yeah, there's a lot of information out there, basically. Yes. Um, next one, not as much of a question, but it says, I followed a ton of eating disorder, eating disorder recovery pages, and I've followed all the restrictive eating pages, and that's what helped me. I struggled with orthorexia. I definitely think it's important just to, yeah, like you said, unfollow all accounts that trigger you. I definitely have unfollowed a lot of influencers or models who I feel like just, like, have triggered me or, like, um influencers who maybe post a lot of what i eat in days and like just seeing what their food intake is kate and i talk a lot about that a lot um if you're on youtube we probably have an issue with your content comes yes (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i definitely think it's good that you've unfollowed all the restrictive eating pages and that you recognize that those were unhealthy for you so definitely recommend that for anyone who you know is just trying to weed out all the triggering stuff in their lives yep Next one. Hey, CMS girlies. Um, I'm currently eating disorder recovery. Luckily, I feel like I'm finally in a place where I've healed my relationship with food for the first time in my life. I've struggled with both extremes of binging and bulimia in my teens and then in my last year, anorexia. I'm on the road to recovery. I feel in a place where eating is purely based on a healthy combo of nutrition and intuition. I'm happy for the first time in my life. We love it. However, I'm significantly underweight and struggling to gain. I eat a lot. I'm moderately active. I exercise extremely lightly, maybe two to three times a week and would love to get into running, yet I'm scared to do so, fear of losing more weight. Also, I'm not keen on increasing my consumption more to speed up the weight gain because I know that'll trigger memories of past binging. And now I finally have all this extremely, I finally have this extremely intuitive relationship with food and I can't bear to lose it and sacrifice my happiness again. Um, I relate to this a lot. Like I had to stop playing volleyball for a little bit and that was a huge trigger of me to like get my shit together basically. And I really didn't like the way that I recovered the first time with food because it was this like eat a lot of calories, gain the weight quickly. And it didn't restore my relationship with food because that's not a normal way to eat to like eat a pint of ice cream every single night. So um, I think trying to like create some sort of a timeline or a roadmap, maybe on like a monthly basis of like not necessarily saying how much weight you need to gain but writing out how many times you're going to exercise a week writing out like the food that you feel comfortable like if there's certain moments or food opportunities when you can eat more to increase your consumption um but also i'm like i think having a a good relationship with food is going to be like the most long-lasting thing out of this so definitely i would say like take it seriously with gaining weight because that's going to be something that will cause health problems for you in the long run if you don't take it seriously but at the same time i think really tapping into your relationship with food is like good right now yeah okay next one hey everyone i had struggled with not eating enough and losing my period and then getting it back through unhealthy weight gain via binge eating i really struggled with with the all or nothing mindset and i am currently working to get this habit out of my system what tips and tricks would you give P.S. I love the pod and love that you guys are including the girlies in the episode. Ah, love you. Um, so I definitely think it's important just to challenge the food police and make peace with food. The voices in your head that say, you know, this food's bad, this food is good, I shouldn't eat this, or I can only eat at this time, they're not true. And yeah, like no food is really good or bad. Your body doesn't really know what is considered good or bad. All food is fuel and some just provide more nutrients than others, and that's something that has like helped me. And so I think just like allowing yourself to eat certain foods will make you feel more comfortable around them and make you become less fixated on them, which will help you in ending in that last supper feast, which is like, you know, I'm going to eat like all these brownies and then I'm just never going to eat them again. Yeah. And so it's just important that to ensure that you are eating consistently so that you also don't trigger that primal drive to overeat. So planning out your meals, being cautious of what you're eating and like at what times, will help you kind of get out of like the binge cycle. Mm-hmm. Next one. How to deal with friends who constantly make comments that are really, really triggering, i.e. all I had to do today was coffee, i.e. how do people eat that much food without having to open up too much about your struggles? Also, how to deal with food decision paralysis. I've been in plenty of situations on volleyball teams where people say the most ignorant shit like, oh my God, I can't believe that girl ate all of that. It's going to go play. Or like, oh, I'm only ordering a salad. Or you know, all the comments. And I think there are some relationships if it's like a one-on-one thing where you could be like, hey, like 
that I don't like that comment or like that's uncomfortable for me or like oh I actually eat that much like what do you, what would you th-? and I think a lot of times that people don't know that it could personally offend you they might be like shit like I've had this with like my sister and my mom where they'll say stuff about like food and how much quantity you're eating or whatever any food behaviors I've had and then if I speak up and say like well I actually do that then they start to like challenge that because they're like wait this person I really value does these food things that I was making fun of. Like, that's really hurtful. But also, like, I'll put, like, a workplace environment or maybe, like, a classroom environment. Like, situations that you just can't opt out of. There's going to be people in the world that say stuff that are triggering. Like, you can't absolve yourself from the world. And that's what I think I struggle with on all these, like, recovery accounts on Instagram because it's, like, pretends that... Or it's kind of promoting a lifestyle where you live in a bubble and, like, no one's ever going to comment on your food. That's not true. Like... I don't know. And maybe if you want to live in that much isolation, but for me, like so much social interaction, there's going to be comments about food irregardless. So it's about you building up like situations with how to deal with them and for it not to trigger you. Yeah. I think a lot to go along with that. You just have to kind of stay in your own lane. And I know that can be extremely difficult. And if you hear some, someone say something and you know, it triggers a thought in your brain, acknowledge the thought and then just like try to move on. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think also just like know that like when people do say things they're not directly you know trying to attack you or say something to like hurt your feelings I think it's just like a lot of people are unaware that such comments can cause yeah a lot of harm but just yeah and again like Kate said you're never going to fully be able to avoid situations where people say such things so just developing really healthy habits to cope with those is like the most important thing and I think about comments as well like I never think about comments that could be triggering towards alcohol or drug addiction and those are very serious topics or like suicidal tendencies like there's comments within any sort of like mental health issue or like addiction issue that like can be triggering so it's more like telling people when it happens and I think speaking up definitely um okay how do you let go of calorie counting I'm very far into recovery but the one thing I really can't seem to shake is loosely calculating calories every day. Yeah, um, the calorie calculator lives in your head yeah, forever. Yeah, it lives in your head forever. I look at a banana and I know it's 100 yeah. calories. <laughs> um, I feel like this is something that I still struggle with. I mean, because yeah, me I, I still, from years of counting calories, that I kind of still sometimes will view, view food from a calorie perspective. But I definitely just recommend, like, you just have to delete the app. Like, yeah. you really have to delete the app. Fuck chronometer! <laughs> yeah. Um, or, like, my fitness pal. One thing that has helped me the most, and I don't know, this might trigger other people is just to have a food journal where you write out what you're eating and your meals and then writing how you felt like eating and like if it brought pleasure and and any enjoyment to you and I think like yeah the biggest thing is just to delete the app and just kind of trust your hunger cues and just eat when you are hungry and stop when you're full which can also be hard we'll get into kind of that but it's a really difficult thing and I think you know yeah one thing that helped me is like while I was still trying to get out of it um I would not track my calories until it was after dinner and then I would track my calories Mm -hmm. as like a comfort mechanism like no Kate your body like kind of knew what it was doing you didn't just go and eat 10,000 calories in a day like that was always the fear for me you know like this ample time between my meals that like oh I'm gonna fuck up somewhere like there's gonna be one point where I just binge and eat way too much so that could be a helpful way and then slowly like finding ways to delete the app off your phone Mm -hmm. next one how do you feel with like or sorry, how do you deal with feeling like you're overeating when trying to maintain after weight restoration? Maintenance is so hard. I think this is like, yeah, it's it's a lifelong thing to feel comfortable with your quote, like new body because you're always going to crave to be like a 15 year old again. I mean, all of us probably like wish we could just like do whatever the hell we wanted and we're like a 15 year old girl. So surrounding yourself with more images of quote, like women, like what womenly bodies look like. I don't really want to say womenly, but you know what I mean? Like not teenage bodies like don't look at brandy melville ads and wish that you were like the 15 year olds that they use in their models you know yeah i think for me it was really hard when i went and started seeing a nutritional therapist she kind of put me on a meal plan to sort of she didn't tell me exactly what i had to eat but it was you know i have to eat my three meals and my two snacks and that was like a lot of eating for me at the beginning so i was like holy shit like i was so used to you know restricting and not eating this much but what kind of helped me and what my mom always reminded me, she's my, my mom would always say, this is a professional. She knows what she's doing and she knows what's best for you. So I think just like remembering that what you're doing is like really good for your body. And I know it can be really hard, but at first, but you'll feel a million times better once your body can properly function. You have sustained energy levels. You can sleep better and you can like, you know, move your body and not feel tired and weak. I think that is the most gratifying experience. And so, yeah, it's definitely hard, but you know, 
it'll get easier over time. Mm-hmm. Next one. Hi, I'm looking forward to listening. I'm interested if you guys have any experience advice for people who don't have obvious eating disorders but may still experience body image issues. It's so hard to articulate this to friends or doctors when they're kind of dismissive. Like, well, you're not starving yourself or purging, so I assume you're fine. Just the vibe of that, not the exact words. I'm sure others can relate. I relate a lot. I was never diagnosed as underweight, so it was just kind of like oh yeah, like you probably just feel bad when you eat a brownie. Like you don't actually have problems. And then I had to like kind of have this very intense conversation with my parents. Like when I wake up, I think about this. When it's between meals, I think about this. When I look in the mirror, I think about this. And that's, I think when they started to trigger like, oh shit, this is like a huge problem. Like I don't have this issue when I look in the mirror. Um, So kind of like, I feel also it's like it sucks that you have to go through this process of like rigorously explaining yourself. I was dismissed by by doctors, like I said, because I was at a healthy weight for my body. I just had muscle and I was just an athlete and it's okay if you don't get your period. So that's a point where I think you have to step in and like the authority figure and be like, I want to get help for this, even though you guys don't think it's obvious. Um, next transitioning from plant-based to less legalistic veganish. I realized it was orthorexia in disguise. Any tips on how to make that switch? So Emma and I stopped being vegan in like January. Yeah, we stopped being vegan in January. Um, I don't necessarily think, I mean, some people vegan, being veganism can maybe trigger to become more orthorexia since it is eating like exclusively like plant-based foods. Um, but Kate and I just kind of made the transition because we just weren't feeling that, great with how we we're fueling our bodies i think it was like just a lot of the the same proteins meals, yeah nut butter yeah and like i think i was i was definitely starting to develop some sort of like binging where it was like okay i'm just gonna i'm not really full from my like plant foods i'm gonna just binge on a bunch of nut mm-hmm. butter yeah and then feeling guilty it's a it's a cycle it's a trap and i was never thinking about food from the nutritional standpoint i think it's always like oh i know vegetables are healthy but i was never like oh like am i eating food with omega-3 um mm-hmm. in them it, it, it's this part of my cycle i want to make sure i'm eating flax seeds and pumpkin seeds in phase one so it's really helped me i think almost like start to appreciate vegetables now like eating fish with vegetables and eating like something else on the side like an avocado i'm starting to taste my food more versus like a plate of veggies with like very low calories so i think for me like transitioning when i was plant-based and when i was vegan originally it was a healing factor for my Mm -hmm. eating disorder because i looked at food through a different lens i was never eating as much vegetables as i was before like in high school when i developed my eating disorder i was eating all of those shitty like 100 calorie snacks so being vegan was very healing for me but i think for me it got to a point with nutrition that i was like okay i know i'm probably protein division being vegan right now yeah and i think it's like what worked for us in the past obviously isn't working for us now and i think just realizing that i'm wanting to take um um control control yeah like our health and be able to like you know change switch things up <laughs> um, yeah. okay next one hi i've been dealing with binge eating disorder for the last four years and then led to bulimia i managed to stay for about six months without purging and i was feeling very happy because of how good i was doing but a few days ago I had a relapse and that was so scary because I thought that I was going to keep spiraling down. I'm going to therapy now and I was able to get out of the mental um, place, but I would like to ask for any advice on how to avoid a relapse. Thank you so much for doing this, by the way. I love the pod. Thank you. I wish I had advice. I think there's like really small things that have triggered me, not necessarily to a full-blown relapse like you were saying, but just triggered me to be back to a bad place with food. Like, oh, I saw this person on Instagram. Maybe I need to go do that. Um, I think comparison is a big one here. Or comparing yourself to like past behaviors as well. Like, oh, I used to look like this or I used to work out. For me, I think one issue that I had like while I was playing volleyball was like, well, you know, we used to do three a day practices. We're working out for like eight hours. Maybe that's what I need to go back and do. Um, So I think kind of like envisioning a future life for yourself and like one that's not just in like restriction and deprivation yeah and I think also again just really keeping yourself busy and developing a really good schedule for me I sort of almost like tried to force myself to relapse at the beginning of quarantine because I had nothing going on in my life and so a lot of those thoughts really resurfaced because that's all that I had to think about and it was a way for me to have control over my life and so I think for me I finally have developed a daily routine where I keep busy and I don't really have any periods where I can overthink about life or food yeah and so I think that's like just a really big thing is that just developing a really good routine for yourself where you don't 
you know, experience time where you could overthink. Yeah. Next one. How do you tell your family not to discuss calories and weight gain around you? Thank you for doing this pod episode. I love you guys. I've had this issue um, with my immediate family um, where the conversation around food and calories definitely does come up. Everyone in my family is pretty active and is like very, I would say, concerned with self-image to an extent and health and nutrition. And I think everyone kind of has their own like little silly diet rules that they follow. Um, And I have just had to like tell my family like, hey, you know your daughter and you know your sister has experienced this before, like, we're not talking about this. Like, I don't give a fuck. Like, I've said this to my, like, sister and my family. Like, I don't give a fuck what diet you're on. I don't care about your low-carb this. I don't want to know how many calories you're eating. Like, keep that out. And for me, too, I think they saw me at points where I was really uncomfortable eating around other people, and they hated that, Kate. Like, they hated that version of me. And, like, this past Christmas when I went home was, like, the first time I think they saw me eating a Christmas cookie and not freaking out feeling comfortable cooking my food in front of other people. I was so secretive and just felt so alone in that. So I think you just need to like explain to them that like, if you want me to be my best self, like we cannot have this lingering conversation in the household. Um, Okay, next one. I recommend the book Intuitive Eating to all your followers. Help me understand why trying to diet and eat clean gave me binge eating disorder. If you obsess over restricting your eating, it backfires in so many ways, which I had known before trying to lose weight. So I'm still not sure if there's an... An emotionally healthy way to lose weight, though. Intuitive eating would say not to worry about losing weight, but about being healthy and satisfied thoughts. Um, Yeah, so my nutritional therapist, the first day that I met her, she was like, I need you to read this book. And so I immediately bought the intuitive eating book, and it, like, completely transformed me. It really, it was, like, what I wish I had known years ago. And the book does a really great job in walking you through how to develop proper hunger cues and trust yourself and your hunger after years of dieting and restricting. And they really do a good job at explaining the dangers of under eating and why, you know, you do kind of develop the binge and restrict cycle. And yeah, so intuitive eating for most people that don't know, it means honoring your hunger and eating what your body is truly craving in that moment. And so with intuitive eating, there is no restriction and intuitive eating is centered around being healthy and satisfied. And so I don't really think you can fully be an intuitive eater through if you're still trying to you know lose weight or have eating disorder thoughts or tendencies because you will then just kind of use that as way like oh well like you know with intuitive eating it's just eating what I want and I only want to eat carrots and vegetables like no that's not how intuitive eating works Mm -hmm. and so I definitely recommend reading the book um for anyone who has struggled or is seeking to just become more conscious and develop proper hunger cues yep Next one, can you please talk about feeling guilty after eating and how to emphasize that skinny is not better, really with that truth and body image right now? I, like, think about this all the time, I think, since moving to New York. Um, I would say, like, I feel so much, like, New York's body standards compared to the Midwest body standards are obviously different. New York is, like, a lot, like, the average size here is a lot thinner, I'm guessing, than in the Midwest. And there's just models, there's actresses, and, like, you just envision I think for me I get in bad cycles where I think about models and they're like oh okay they probably just like smoke a cigarette and drink coffee and they look good in photos when they're in their young 20s and then you see them when they're 40 and they look like shit and they like have huge health complications so one thing that's really gotten me out of it is thinking about health from like a long-term perspective I don't want to be 60 and not be able to walk you know I don't care if I like looked really hot and was like a double zero when I was 20 because I didn't fucking eat you know um, I, I think I get into this cycle a lot where I'm just kind of like, Kate, stick it out. You know that you can run five miles and they can barely walk up the stairs without dying. So think about health girlies. Um, okay. Advice on getting out of the routine of eating safe foods. Wondering if either of you have any tips on how to feel comfortable eating something new slash different instead of relying on the same meals over and over again. Have a good day, lovelies. It can definitely be easy to just stick to what foods make you feel comfortable and safe. And I think, you know, it's exciting when you can get to a place where you just feel comfortable eating, you know, three meals, but it is important that you also allow yourself to experience new foods and foods that you're potentially nervous about. And so I think what I recommend and what I had to do for my recovery was write out a list of foods that scared me and starting off with like the least scariest to the most scariest and just starting off at the top of the list and, you know, having that you know, a few times a week. And then once I feel comfortable with that going down the list. And so the more that you allow yourself to experience the food that you're nervous about and having more positive experiences about it, the easier it becomes. 
so that is definitely one way that I recommend to feel more safe eating foods that you might be potentially nervous about. And I think the relationship between quote like safe foods and fear foods is like, let's say you had dinner and it was something that was a total trigger. You went out and got something on that list, like I was saying, that was terrible. Well, tomorrow you can go and eat something else. So I think remembering that, like, think about health from a weekly basis or monthly basis that you don't have to go eat fear foods for every fucking meal. Like, take it very, very slow and at your own pace. Next one, how do you guys deal with food guilt and how did you start eating enough? Um, For me, it was just kind of like you need to get, get back to getting your period. That was the biggest, I think, physical symptom for me. But at the time, I think I was so busy in high school that I didn't have time to think about food guilt. I obviously felt like shit in how I looked because you're getting weight in new places. But I think the food guilt has become my awareness like as I've gotten older, I think, because that's more of like the diet culture in comparison to what other people are eating. Um, yeah. yeah, I think also with like the food guilt, it's just I just kind of realized that it was just so exhausting yeah. feeling guilty about what I was eating and also just like. I know that, like, stressing out and, like, freaking out that I just ate a cookie probably is doing more harm for my body than, like, actually eating the cookie. Yeah. And so I think just allowing myself, you know, like, life is short. Just I deserve to experience good food and, like, new things, and I shouldn't just, like, have to only eat broccoli. And so I think just, like, really honoring and, like, loving yourself and realizing that you have self-worth and deserve to experience good foods really does help with, like, the food guilt aspect. Next one. I mean, I see you talk about binge eating issues a little since most people talk about restriction, not about not much about binging. I think we did a little bit. Um, I mean, I definitely experienced my experience was mostly like, yeah, like restrictive and binge because I would like restrict and then obviously binge eat. And it's like it's because I was not feeling my body. And so there came a point where like my body literally just like needed so many calories. Um, And so in order to get out of this, you just have to eat like really consistently and And actually feel your body because otherwise you're going to just develop this primal instinct to overeat because your body is going to overcompensate because it wasn't receiving enough in the beginning. So I think just, and I hate the feeling of binging. So now it's like a big motivating factor to ensure that I am eating enough throughout the day so that I don't experience such episodes. Next one. This isn't a question, but could you talk about high carb, low fat veganism? (laughs) Watching these YouTubers totally destroyed my relationship with food made me think i couldn't eat anything with oil for two years um yeah you're talking to me i bought olive oil two days ago i couldn't i was scared every time i was looking at a product that was like a packaged good if it had olive oil down on the shelf if i saw any sort of baked mix crackers cookies olive oil or coconut oil anything not eating it and it's so fucked up because I was thinking that, like, the kind of breaking point I had this past week when I started eating olive oil was, like, okay, Kate, I think we have another question about this, but, like, okay, Kate, when you, quote, like, do this fake calorie math in your head, you do not accurately talk about how many um, nuts and seeds and nut butters you eat. Like, that's an equivalent fat source. So, like, just proving that, like, every sort of diet myth is, like, something to keep yourself comfortable, but you're really probably, yeah, it fucking sucks, because I agree, the oil thing is, like, oof, yeah, still in me. yeah. So I think we're going to take a break and we will get back to this next set of questions after our little ad read. Hey, you know, Emma and I can't shut up about starting your day with the perfect oatmeal toppings. And you're probably thinking, what could be better than securing a bag of maca powder or matching with a boy who actually knows what adaptogens are? Um, hello, a large and juicy medjool date. That's why we're so excited to tell you about today's sponsor, Julie's. Julie's is a pantry staple for all the wellness gods. Their hand-picked medjool dates from Coachella Valley, California, are certified USDA organic, naturally vegan, and free of all allergens. There is no better way to snack on Jolie's than with your favorite nut butter or on a bowl of oats. And Jolie's even has a date syrup to drizzle on a stack of pancakes. So if you want to taste some Jolie's for yourself, definitely use code CMOSGIRLIES for 15% off your first order. Now back to the show. Okay, we're back. And also, disclaimer, there is, like, some intense drilling above my apartment right now. So if you hear that, um, Emma and I are not in a brawl. It's an apartment situation. Yeah, it's just New York things. Okay, next. Hey, I love that you're doing an episode on eating disorder awareness. Would love if to know if either of you have advice on how to be self-aware about your eating disorder, being honest with yourself. I've struggled with it for years, and I like to think I'm doing much better now, but I still struggle with understanding if my motives for certain health decisions are in my best interest. I'm vegan because I have environmental and ethical concerns or is this just a subconscious way to restrict myself and consume low calories as a sense of control i hope that makes sense so we kind of answered this before i think yeah obviously any sort of like plant-based diet can be restrictive because you are eating like these lower calorie foods but i think you have to know your best interest because there are plenty of calorie dense foods you can eat as a vegan too yeah yeah 
Um, next one. Advice on quitting the comparison game. I'm in a much better place now with body image slash eating than I used to be, but seeing people constantly posting their what I eat in the days makes me spiral. I start examining how they look slash eat and compare myself. I mean, you just have to really weed those people out of your lives. If they trigger you and you and you know that, just stop watching their shit. I know it can be really um like hard interesting to, do that again, to like click into it, yeah. But yeah, it's just for the best. Unfollow people and just like surround yourself with people who have healthy relationships with food and their bodies. Yeah. I've struggled with anorexia on and off for years now. I struggle when there are people in my life who speak really badly about their own bodies when they're clearly thinner than me. I had a toxic roommate who called herself fat even though she was a size zero. I now have a new roommate who still body shames herself as well. Is it right to cut someone off for this reason? I don't think so. I think like there's plenty of people with, I think people that are in a very skinny very overweight whatever like any range of bodies can have body image issues and i think that's kind of a i don't i wouldn't cut anyone off because they have issues too like i think a lot of like quote like very thin normative like white looking bodies even models have eating disorders so like i think the pressures are going to be applied differently on different people because i've had a lot of friends who have been in like modeling agency situations where like they've gotten told like you just need to like get some weight off your shoulders so like People are getting insane comments from all ends of the spectrum. So I think it's pretty difficult. Um, so yeah, I think just try to be comfortable with your roommate and like open up to them. Yeah. Um, hi, girl. I decided about the new podcast episode. I've been thinking a lot about eating disorder brain lately because I'm trying to get my period back and learn how to eat intuitively. My question is, how do I stop counting calories when I have memorized the amount of calories, serving size, et cetera, for everything that I eat? I feel extremely guilty if I exceed my limit by even 50 calories, even though my mental calculations are probably off. Um, yeah, so I think, like we mentioned earlier, it's, like, really hard to kind of break and stop doing food from a calorie perspective, but, so, I mean, I just recommend deleting the the counting calorie apps and really just focus foods more from, like, a nutritional perspective. And I also think challenging your own habits, because, like, when I put, like, cacao nibs on my oatmeal, if I were to track calories, I would probably say I put one tablespoon on. I definitely put two and a half. So, like challenge the ways that you think that you have this sense of control over your food because like realistically you're probably you know over counting the foods that you really um like feel comfortable with like you're probably like oh i had two cups of broccoli because it was low calorie but like the foods that are the more calorie dense you're probably lying to yourself i've been in that cycle before yeah. um per podcast on on eating disorder i find the last step in body image and dysmorphia which i really struggle with are there any tips you recommend personally i don't resonate with your thighs are awesome because they help you walk and that's what i'm seeing these days on social I mean, like, this is definitely, like, the last step, and it's definitely the fucking hardest. I don't think I'll ever fully know what my body looks like. (laughs) No one does. And, you know, there's beauty in that in the sense of, like, you'll never know, but also, like, it sucks because you literally will never know, and so you'll (laughs) just be dealing with it forever. So you just kind of have to, like, laugh it off and, like, find humor in it. Um, That's what's helped me. Yeah, I think just, like, appreciating the fact that you're not super tapped into it almost. Like, damn, I guess I don't have to worry about that because I have no fucking idea. But I also agree, I really don't like any sort of, like, body neutrality accounts because like you're not gonna be neutral once your whole identity has been warped by the idea that like you've been disordered like I don't think there's any sort of like space for that for me like yeah like you were saying like the conversations like oh your body's like helps you stay alive it's like okay well I didn't care about keep staying alive for a long time that's not gonna fucking help me Next one. Um, hey, first off, love you guys. I'm pretty sure the same person. It kind of scares me, LOL. I saw your guys' story listening to your podcast. It seems like we have the same mindset about body health exercise. I've been struggling with disordered eating, and I haven't eaten about 1,500 calories in a year. I know I should start, because, but I'm so scared of what an increase in calories will do to my body. Um, this is really difficult. I think I've been at the point where I was like, oh my god, eating more than 2,000 calories. Like, that's so scary for me. But I think doing it slowly, like taking a few days out of the week where you can increase your calories. So it's not like, oh my god, every single day now I'm eating 3,000. So finding a few days out of the week, maybe doing less intense movement. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's one thing that's helped me. Um, how do you deal with being physically recovered but not mentally recovered? Can you avoid relapse? Mmm... It's like, I don't know. It's, I think for me, there's like a lot of triggers that could relapse, like could cause me to relapse into an eating disorder. And like, I've been physically recovered, quote, for like two years now, I'm going to say. But I do still think there is like this whole part of like eating disorder stuff that is yeah. not going to be fully recovered. I don't know. Maybe that's bad advice, but I think like y- you become more 
adequate at like coping with your mental part of the eating disorder but i think it's never gonna go yeah away. and i think also like rewiring the brain is like extremely difficult and like getting rid of those like thoughts and or like it's scary too when like you had an old way of like having you know eating issues or body image issues and then new things come up and then you're like fuck i thought i had it handled yeah um next one hi i'm a sophomore in college right now and have been an eating sort of recovery for a year while i really want to get better and weight was sure I find it really hard to do with the heavy diet culture to college promotes. My roommates will make comments about calories or how they can't eat a certain food and that really triggers me and makes it hard for me to want to get better. I know I shouldn't compare myself to them, but do you guys have any specific tips on how to block out or ignore triggering comments in everyday life? Like we said, you're going to experience these like all throughout your life, so it's really hard to isolate yourself, but... I mean, if you have a good relationship with your roommates, I would just be honest with them and be like, hey, like I'm experiencing this and I would just appreciate if, you know, you would reduce the commentary on such things and... Because most of the time, like we've been saying, people don't realize it's harmful and people don't realize like, oh, I thought we all kind of thought this way and talked this way. So yeah, opening up would probably be the best about it. Otherwise, like following YouTubers that do promote like a good relationship with food or people with normal relationships with food, just surrounding yourself with more so then their noise is like a lot quieter. Yeah. Next one. Hi, I've been secretly dealing with an eating disorder for a year now. I haven't really told my family because I have have someone very close to me also suffering from one. I don't want to cause any problems. I love spending time with her, but whenever we have to eat together, it stresses me out a lot. It makes me feel bad when I'm eating. So I low-key dread seeing her. Our families are really close, so it's inevitable we'll have to see or eat with each other. What should I do to not feel bad about eating on her and become more comfortable with eating around others in general? Love the pod, by the way. Um, I think social eating is like the most, it's been the most difficult part of recovery for me. I was like, okay, everyone's looking at how much or how little I'm eating. I think like try to find habits and routines with this person that are not around food. So like it could just be like going shopping or going on a walk or something like that where you're not, yeah, feeling like your only tie is this like bad food relationship. It does really suck when it's like uncontrollable situations. Like you have to see someone who triggers you or like you trigger them and you don't want to cause problems. So Maybe try to have, like, a conversation to, like, open up, but yeah. also very individual. Um, do you girlies think that eating a vegan or plant-based diet ever was harmful to you as in restrictive? I struggle with labels and saying I cannot ever eat cheese or dairy again as it triggers me back to the days of only eating a fourth of avocado or half of banana thoughts. I mean, I think it's really important just to not identify with any sort of diet or, like, kind of create that, like, an identity. Like, I feel like I definitely use veganism as a form of identity, and I was, like, afraid people would shame me or judge me if I, like, fucking ate like seafood again but I think I came to a breaking point where I was like no like what is currently what I'm currently eating is not working for me and so I just like made the switch um I think it can be restrictive but also it can be a really great way to incorporate more foods into your life so I think it's just if you know that you know it's restrictive and you want to eat cheese or dairy then just do it yeah Hi lovelies, I have a question. If I've dealt with what I'm sure was 99% an eating disorder for a long time, but I'm doing better now healing my relationship with food, should I still get professional diagnoses help with the long-term effects? Totally fine that this is not something you can answer. I just always feared getting help because I never was technically underweight. I feel like doctors actually invalidate important issues with food if someone is an overweight. I entirely agree. The first um, kind of eating disorder recovery people I went to was uh, I went to a doctor, I went to a nutritionist, I went to an OBGYN. So it was more of like the Western medicine side of it. Then I relapsed. And the second person I went to help treat my eating disorder was a therapist, like a nutritional therapist, like Emma's been talking about. And that helped the mental sides of me. So I would say like, if you feel like you have a good relationship with food now, definitely focus on like the long-term effects of food and like your relationship with it, maybe through a therapist versus going to a doctor. Cause doctors, once again, it's going to be all about like blood work. It's not going to be about healing your mental aspect. So that was one thing from my experience at least. Thank you guys for a great pod. Keeps me sane during lockdown. I was wondering if either of you experienced amenorrhea. How did you deal with it? Yeah, have. I've uh, lost my period a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. For me, it was mostly tied to stress and over-exercising. I definitely developed like binge exercising when I was playing college volleyball as like a kind of a coping mechanism. Like, oh, I ate too much. I need to go burn it off. Now I'm at the point where I've realized that like if you try to burn out, they always say like you can't burn off a bad diet. Um that it's absolutely insane that like I was in that mind space of like I need to work out this many times a day to keep my calories so low so for me it was most like I don't know your fitness or like nutrition or diet or anything or if you're weight restored or not but it was tied to me gaining weight and then reducing my exercise um also eating a higher fat diet too yeah because I was on that low fat vegan bullshit for a while me as well I think a great topic would be relationships and recovery. During my recovery, I've been with two different partners. One clearly enhanced my eating disorder. One really helped my recovery. I think there's a lot to talk about here. Also, maybe tips for talking about eating disorders with parents and family. Um, I've never been in a relationship, so I don't really know how that 
impacts, you know, your eating disorder recovery. But I think, you know, if someone is like triggering you, then it's best just to open up and tell them that like, Hey, like you're not helping my situation. And I think just being like open and honest with your parents and family. I know it's hard, but they want what's best for you. And so they will like support you in any way that they can. And I also think like speaking from the experience of dating, which Emma and I have both done, like it's actually come up a lot. I would say, like, most dates I've had with guys, like, somehow, like, food and eating disorders comes up. Yeah, I, like, talk about it almost all, like, all the, the time. time. Like, my first date, <laughs> yeah, and they're, they're pretty chill, and they're like, oh, no, I know a lot of girls who've experienced it. Yeah. Which is, like, nice that, like, they at least get it or understand. Yeah, I've definitely been in the situations where, like, I have declined going on dates because it's like, let's go get pizza, and I'm like, uh. Like, I don't want to get into this whole thing about how, like, it's not like I can't have pizza, but this is, like, I would have to open up about how, like, food triggers me and, like, this might be a food that triggers me. So I think knowing your boundaries, if you're in a relationship with someone, that's a different experience. But I do think that, yeah, like, it's it's difficult to open up about someone and, like, make sure that they're not judging you and you still feel loved. But also it's not, like, an identity in the relationship, too. Yeah. Um. Next one. Hey, girlies, I'm trying to navigate the world of recovering from orthorexia, but also I'm passionate about wellness and being an absolute wellness god. The balance between the two is so difficult to help. I think for me, like, I now view health and wellness as, like, you know, just, like, having, like, a healthy, like, life that's, like, full with, like, happiness and just, like, balance. I think balance is, like, a really key thing when it comes to, like, health and wellness. And so... I think another thing about wellness gods is, like, take some of your wellness gods off the pedestal. Yeah. Like, there's a notorious one that I'm not going to name, mm-hmm. but really preaches a lifestyle of food combining. And I just had to unfollow. I was like, this is, like, bullshit. You know, mm-hmm. Gwyneth Paltrow, fucking unfollow her and, like, her detox fasting protocols. So... I think leveraging, like, people that are food justice advocates as really cool people, people that are, like, working on farms and working at co-ops, they're wellness gods, too. So um, I think just making sure you're not idolizing people that could cause you to go back to, like, orthorexic tendencies. Yeah. Okay, I'm trying to recover right now, and it's been going okay, but I often find myself in a mental dilemma where I will have a nice, nutritious meal, yet... Right after finishing it, I find myself completely starving and run to the kitchen to see what else I can eat. I tell myself I need to honor my hunger cues and eat, but end up binging on anything that's in my cupboard, leave me with feeling of, and of disgust. How do I limit without staying hungry? Just wanted to say you guys are incredible and your podcast has made me want to become a wellness god more than ever. Um, so I definitely feel like I've experienced this a lot, um, especially this past year. Um, just I, boredom, yeah. yeah, like I would just always just run straight to the cupboard and eat a jar of peanut butter after my dinner. And I would just like panic when I would still be hungry after a meal. And I think just like realizing that, Hey, it's okay to have seconds. Mm-hmm. And like, there's nothing wrong with that. And you're likely still discovering your true fullness cues. And so it can be really hard to know if you're truly full or not. Yeah. But I do think I recommend, um, you know, after you eat your meal, you know, sit for a second and assess your hunger levels. And if you are still hungry, go and like put food on a plate as opposed to just like standing over the sink and eating. Um, just so, yeah, being more intentional with your food has helped me. Yeah. Next one. How to handle a body that changes with age. I have curls that I never... Cur- curls. <laughs> Curves that I never felt I had before. Part of me lo- loves the fe- femininity of them. Another part feels like I'm losing my athletic physique. I experience this all the time. Like, oh, I look good in, like, a dress now, but I look like shit in leggings now. I look, like, curvy or, like, fat or whatever. Like, all that negative self-talk. I think just really getting off the idea of like you're gonna look like you were when you were a 16 year old athlete I mean I had this conversation with my mom this past week because she was a professional volleyball player and we were talking about physical performance because I was like mom I finally feel like I'm at my peak physical performance and I'm 22 like I thought I was gonna be like you know on the decline since I was 16 so being a woman your hormones are gonna like become balanced later in life than men are so there's a really like interesting opportunity for athletic potential in your late 20s even so I would say like being comfortable that like you naturally need fat to be able to conceive a child and like I never really developed boobs growing up and it was always like a joke I was so flat chested playing volleyball but I think now it's like you still can be very athletic and be strong and be proud of that while also like realizing that like yeah I have cellulite where I didn't have when I was 12 because that's a part of fucking maturing but it's really difficult I think yeah um, can you talk about how moms can cause eating disorders, make little comments, etc.? I think we kind of did. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to get into that more. <laughs> First off, I love both of you. Second, could you give advice on how to reconnect here with your body? I feel like after training my brain to ignore my body's natural hunger signals, I didn't know what it was telling me anymore. Thirdly, the role wellness played in your recovery. I want to be a wellness god, but I have no idea where to start. It's so much. Okay, one thing with the wellness god, for example... Anyone who's had, like, the high-carb, low-fat thing, I think one thing that got me out of that was, like, reading books about nutrition and, like, oh, my gosh, my body can't actually absorb the vitamins and nutrients in vegetables unless they are 
combined with a fat source. Yeah. Like there are different hacks and tricks that it's like, oh my gosh, eating a salad without fat on it, that just throw that in the garbage. Yeah, I think definitely I have now, like, kind of taken all my health and wellness advice, not from 16-year-olds on YouTube, but actual, like, <laughs> doctors. So that's, like, one really big thing. And just, like, natural hunger cues, it's, like, really difficult, but it's just you really have to start eating really consistent meals at consistent times, and your body will slowly, over time, develop proper hunger signals. I still struggle with it, and, yeah, it's just, it'll take time. Next one. Hi, I come from a past what you could call arthorexia, and then went through the whole obsessive high-carb, low-fat vegan phase. I'm still vegan now. I eat much more balanced variety of food. I've reached a good place. Recently, I've been considering incorporating some animal products like a little bit of fish back in my diet, but I'd like to stop having restrictions around food, I guess. I'd like to get to a point where I'm eating mostly plants, but become co- completely chill about having other kinds of foods at social events. I wonder if you could speak about why you guys have stopped being fully vegan. Your, how was your experience eating an animal product for the first time? Did it weird you out? Did you feel gross? I would love to know how this step was for you. I guess how you came to it. Love the pod. I've binge episodes, binge listened to all the episodes. Thank you. Um, for me, I feel like a total burden off now for social eating. Like I've gone on dates since like not, and I was like, oh my god, I don't have to like be annoying and be like, let's go to the one vegan place and you can eat like whatever, like a vegetable. Um, I think for me, I had a lot of stomach issues and I still do be having weird stomach issues, which I've been trying to figure out. But doing it slowly, like you don't want to go back to eating just like steak um because you're in a digestive tract is not going to be able to eat that but i think fish and eggs are a good start honey could be a good start eating some like forms of like kefir or like cultured yogurt Mm -hmm. or milk could be a good start yeah Um, i haven't really experienced any like weird things with my body since including fish or eggs but i definitely feel so much better now and i enjoy my dinners i always love dinner and now i like get excited because i can have fish and etc and just like more variety okay hi i was just wondering how to help how to help eating foods that you're scared of. Another thing is just tips it, that you're not just thinking of food all the time, like maybe ways to distract or ground yourself to stop freaking out about it. Um, like we mentioned, I think making like a fear food list and starting at the top with the least scariest and then any with the most scariest and just like making a plan to actually eat that food. And if you're nervous about doing it alone, you know, having a friend eat the food with you and, you know, seeing how happy they are experiencing the food in the moment with you. I think that makes it easier. And the more that you incorporate these foods into your life, the easier it gets. And then in order to not obsess over food, I think just like developing like a really good daily routine to keep your mind busy. And then also partaking in hobbies that force you to use both your hands and your mind. So painting or some other, you know, creative outlet. So you, you know, you're constantly doing stuff. Next one. Hey girls, I like your content very much. I'm also always looking for voices in the wellness that do not neglect other major issues like body image, social pressure, eating disorders, environmental impacts, class, etc. I'm into nutrition forever, but I've always felt during healthier times, I was surrounded by some sort of paranoia. Since the pandemic started, I started to look into ways to control my anxiety and fatigue naturally, but damn, it's a slippery slope. When you enter publicity and influencers, it can get very, very perverse. I guess the wellness journey is very compelling and deeply cynical. I agree. I think I'm online. I've been saying like the pandemic, you have more downtime, you have more time to sit on your phone and scroll on social media, maybe set screen limits, maybe just like go on the apps list. But it's once again, like you're not going to be able to absolve yourself from the real world happening. You just need to build habits like to not go down like a rabbit hole. Yes. Um, how do you balance wellness without making it restrictive or obsessive, especially if you're used to an eating sort of mindset? How can you focus on health and exercise, et cetera, without triggering yourself? I think just like routine has mentioned also like you know, longevity standpoint and, you know, when you wake up when you're 60, wanting to be able to, you know, have live a life where you can like still walk or if you want to be able to have kids like when you're 30 to thinking about that. And I think just like focusing more on abundance as opposed to restriction in Mm -hmm. regards to health and wellness, like, I think with buying and like buying groceries for a while, I was like, I can't have more than one nut, one nut butter in my pantry. I can't have more than one type of fish or like more than one, you know, choose your favorite fear food. And I think allowing yourself to have a pantry of a lot of foods that might've been triggering and like being like, Hey, I don't need to eat all of them today, but I'm not restricting myself from the opportunity to go out and buy them. And I think with exercise as well, like focusing on how you feel for me, like I can't really focus on like the stupid calorie things where it's like, you burned this many calories or like your heart rate was this, like the, the statistical stuff gets back to an eating disorder place for me. So just focusing on movement generally. How do you get over the feeling that life is pointless without your ED? I feel like it's all that I'm good for. How do you stop letting gaining weight let you down so much? I feel like when I walk around, it's all I can think of. Uh, Yeah, like I think it's very intense when you're in that first part of recovery. It comes and it goes. There's some days where you're just like, wow, I wish I didn't have a body and I just could like fucking be a ghost. But 
I think, like, making yourself busy, which not is not, like, a good coping mechanism, but, like, I don't really know how else to avoid it, to silence thoughts, I guess. Um, having other things to do that aren't related to, like, you eat. I've gotten in situations where it's, like, all I had to do was buy groceries, eat, and work out, and then I was, like, okay, like, is this all I'm good for? But allowing yourself to have passions and things that are outside of food and eating disorder. Um, hi, lovelies. For your next pod, could you maybe just talk about steps to take when you're feeling low? I'm mostly recovered but find myself struggling with bad days. If I feel I haven't been healthy enough or ate too much rationally, I know everything is fine, but that means that her voice can still be loud. I think, you know, just remembering if you did, quote unquote, eat more than what, like, you feel like you should one day, like, your body is going to be fine. You're going to still live. Just like, you know, I think everything is just one meal you won't die from it. Um, with the bad days, it's going to happen. Just like recognize that and just like having good coping mechanisms or talking to a friend can help you. And like allowing yourself to have bad yeah. days, like have a, have a really bad low. It's not going to be like that forever. Um, tips on coping with regaining weight. We kind of did that. I think just like throwing out clothes that trigger you that you had when you're 15 can be a good one. Uh, next question how do you have confidence being naked during sex when you've dealt with body dysmorphia? Um, I mean, men literally don't know or women. I don't know your gender or who you're having sex with your partner. They don't know. I I mean, like, I don't know if they're like interested in you. It is obviously like an awkward thing where like you might feel like overweight or fat or ugly or whatever, but the other person, the equation is interested in you. So that's all we got. Next one. Hey girlies, love the pod. I'm struggling so much knowing when I'm participating in wellness culture, when to draw the line, when it's becoming restrictive. I want to feel healthy, like with an amazing gut microbiome for optimal nutrition, etc. But I've definitely crossed a line where I restricted a lot in the name of health. How do you guys know which health behaviors are actually healthy versus other things when you're doing eating disorder shit? I kind of struggle with eating healthy or eating calorie dense foods like nut butters, oils, nut butters, etc. How do you start incorporating calorie-dense foods into your diet without feeling weird about it? Um, were you ever weird about mealtimes? How do you start listening to hunger? So you kind of mentioned some of these things. Thank you, wellness gods, for blessing my feet on the reg. Really appreciate the niche content. You're too certified hot. Thank you. Um, um, I think first off in this question, with like the wellness culture, this is just going to be like who your Instagram feed is clogged with. If you are following girls that promote toxic like wellness detoxes diets and shit that's going to be what you start to develop and think that you have to do so like as much as it's like we live in a society there's going to be triggering people everywhere tap into what you can control and i think whenever you're seeking out like a new health thing for example i bought bee pollen did i think that that was like going to be my breakfast no it doesn't have cal like it's not a food that was like going to be calorie like a relational calorie thing or like if you go and buy green juice one day like You're not going to go do that every single day. So I think figuring out habits and, like, lifestyles is, like, what works into what you're already doing. Um, Yeah. What were the other questions? We talked about oils a little bit with high-carb, low-fat. Yeah, it's just, like, it's really important to just get a balanced diet and eat all the macronutrients. And if there's some sort of, like, diet out there that's, like, don't eat any bread or carbs, like, that's, like, a form of restriction and it will backfire. And so I think just, like, eating in abundance and making sure that you're eating everything, you'll feel so much better when you aren't restricting and actually eating all foods and equal amounts yeah and i think with the last one with like meal times and rules i think i've posted an email about this before but like we all make up rules in our head that are fake and lead us to nowhere like when i was you know cutting calories or working out more did that lead me to a better lifestyle mentally or a better body no why was i doing it because it was the only thing i knew that's where it's like habits have to come in like you have to just like punch yourself in the face and be like i'm not doing this for 20 days And I don't know, for me, like, specifically, I think January into these next few months or these past months, like, I've just, like, cut off some of, like, these toxic things I was telling myself because I was like, Kate, look, it didn't work for you the past fucking year. Why are you going to keep doing that type of shit to yourself? Mm -hmm. So, like, really abruptly making a change. And then when you're making this change, being conscious of it, whether that's, like, journaling or, like, really taking note of your energy levels, your fullness cues and all of that. But as we've said before, I think girlies you're probably never gonna know what you look like anyway so don't put pressure on it it's a long recovery it's a long journey but we're here for you we're here for you and we are still we still got our like fucked up freely the banana girl sitting in my ear sometimes i'm kidding so we're not perfect we're still out here struggling we have bad days we still get triggered um it's just the part of life (laughs) but yeah i think surrounding yourself with fellow 
you know, girlies that be talking about food and body and yeah. movement in the right way. Make some memes about what you be dealing with. Yeah. Um, luckily, I have Emma in my life to help me through the eating disorder pain. I hope you find an Emma in your life. <laughs> and I hope you find a <laughs> in your life. Um, but that's episode 18. Uh, it was a little serious one, but we really enjoyed getting all your DMs and kind of mm-hmm. seeing, I think, the things that you guys are still struggling with because it's a lot of parallels to, I think, places Emma and I have been. Yeah, and we definitely appreciate you guys for trusting and opening up to us because that can definitely be a very scary thing. Um, and if you, of course, um, need any sort of help and you want to DM either of us personally, we can definitely try to guide you to some more resources if you feel like you have no one else in your life there to support you because I think the first step of like admitting that you might have an issue is really difficult to do. Yeah. So, so we'd here. love to be your big sisters or, I don't know, friends yeah. or whatever we've been saying. The DMs are always open. The DMs are always open, yeah. If you don't want to DM the CMOS meme page, you can DM us personally too. Mm-hmm. But that being that, um, it's 2.30 p.m., what else are you going to do today, Emma? I might buy bee pollen. Hey! <laughs> because I'm right next to the place where Kate uh, got hers. So I'm like, you know what? Might as well. Yeah. But I'm going to have some shrimp tacos tonight, which I'm hyped for. Nice. I don't know what I'm going to do. I might make my little sardine meal. I might make some salmon. I haven't been eating anything interesting. I have been cooking with oil ladies, and it's... I'm proud of myself. I'm proud of Kate, too. She sent me a photo of olive oil. And I, was like, I bought, like, a $20 so bottle of olive oil, and I was like, okay, Kate, you spent money on it. You gotta fucking use it now, so... That's Doesn't it feel good it. to have a vegetable that's, like, actually roasted and got crispy? I know. Yeah. And, like, my salmon is actually, like, a good texture. Wow. Who would have fucking thunk? Who would have thought... But yeah, um, what else we got? We got to post some memes. I really have nothing going for me today. You know, one of those days. I'll probably be chatting with you guys in the DMs or some shit. Hating men. I forgot. It's International Women's Day. So So take action on that as you wish. (laughs) But with that, we love you, CMOS girlies. If you're listening this far, definitely leave us a rating in the Apple Review Store so we can keep churning out prime content for you Mm -hmm. girlies. Mm -hmm. Um... That's all we got today. That's all we got. So we'll talk to you next Tuesday. Live, laugh, and love. Thank you for coming to the eating disorder episode.